Amen. I um, turn, go back to Psalm 145, if you will. Um, I tried to find on my phone the video of my wife doing the giant swing the same year that my father-in-law did the zip. My wife has a contagious laugh, if you have not heard her yet. And I was up in the Fremont Center, and I could hear the screaming slash laughing that was taking place, but somebody actually took a video for me and gave it to us, and, and it went around and was a huge success. Um, I wish I had turned it in for some money, but um, I don't quite meet the weight limit, so I'll not be joining you on the zip. I'll pray for you brave souls who are, uh, but I can assure you even if I did meet the weight limit, I would not be going on the zip. <laughs> I trust you had some good time in your God and I time. And I want to ask you, if, you, if you're willing to do so, to share just a little bit. Now, uh, sometimes when we do this as, as testimonies, we call them popcorn testimonies, right? Just real quickly, giving us, if you can stand, stand, and tell us something you learned about God and, uh, you know, we don't want another sermon, but just a quick, I, I'd, I'd love to hear what you learned about who God is. And again, we put it this way, God is my, and fill in the blank. So let's just have some sharing. It'll be an encouragement to those, we talked about an encourager last night, encourage some around you this morning with what you learned in your God and I time. Who'll be first? God is my, yes, sir. God is my everything. Well put. Somebody else. God is my greater than. Ah. There you go. Amen. God is my greater than. Good. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. God is my joy. Amen. Yes, ma'am. God is my listener. God is my listener. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Oh, God is the seeker of my presence. He desires that relationship. Yes, sir. God is my foundation. Amen. And it's a stable foundation, right? Amen. Somebody, yes, ma'am. God is mine. Amen. Yes, sir. God is my compass. God is my compass. Amen. Boy, don't we need that in these days. Somebody else. Yes, sir. Ah, God is my protector. Amen. Amen. Yes, ma'am. God is generous. God is my generous one. God is my giving one. Amen. Yes, sir. I love it. God is my wake-up call. Amen. Anybody else? Yes, ma'am. Yes. Amen. Amen. My king. Yes. Amen. Now, let's go to the second part of this question. How will these truths help you today? Let's put some practicality to it. God is my greater than. What, what does that mean to you today. How will that help you today? No matter where I'm at, what I'm going through, 
Amen. He's bigger and better and there. Amen. Somebody else. Yes, ma'am. He never leaves me. God is my ever-present one. He never leaves me. Yes, Brother Don. He has taught me to allow him every moment of every day. Amen. God is my trustworthy one. I will rely on him today. Yes, ma'am. Ah, God has given me everything I need. Christ is all I need, right? Somebody else. This is good. Yes, ma'am. Oh, God is mine. That means everything that God is, is mine also. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, Peter says in 2 Peter. Right? Yes, sir. Because God is with me, I can walk through life without fearing my fears. Amen. Yes, sir. Okay. God helps me to focus on biblical truth instead of being distracted with the worldly, quote-unquote, wisdom. What does Paul say in Colossians chapter 2? Beware, right? Lest you be drawn away of vain philosophy and deceit, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, my God is eternal, no beginning, no end, and I'm going to spend eternity with him. There's hope, right? That word hope, we say, well, I hope this happens, I hope the Braves win, blah, blah. No, no, the biblical word for hope is a confident expectation because of who God is. Amen. Great. You, you, I, I think you, you understand what we're trying to drive at. All right, now, to do this every day builds that personal biography of who God is and so that as that's growing then when the hard times of life come or the challenges come or something unexpected comes you have this biblical lens understanding who God is that you're viewing all this through and what a help what a foundation what stability that provides for us each and every day because Let me fill in the rest of the outline for you. I gave you those two points this morning. Because of his greatness, because of his goodness, we know that he is mighty. The other three, God is mighty because of his glory, verses 11 to 13. Because of his government, 14 to 17. And because of his grace, and you can dig into that and, and study that a little bit. This really is what I like to call the pursuit of knowing God. And it should be a pursuit. There should be some intentionality that we approach this with. There should be some intensity, right? I love, as our brother said, I love getting up early in the morning, spending that first portion of the day in God's presence. 
Nothing better to be out in the country on a cool, brisk morning with your Bible and your coffee and just growing in your knowledge of God. And you know what happens then? It spills over into the whole rest of the day. There are so many times, and every time I open God's Word, I, I try to pray this, Holy Spirit of God, give me what I need today. Feed my soul. You know, sometimes in my early days of ministry as a preacher, I was, every time I read my Bible, I was looking for sermon ideas. I began to realize that I need to have just some God and I time to feed my soul. Now, often what happens is that grows into something I share with other people. But the intent is, first and foremost, God, feed me with what I need today. And many times the things that I write down the margin of my Bible, later in the day somebody will call for counseling or somebody will call they've got a problem or a need and the Holy Spirit of God brings that verse right back to mind and say, oh, I just read this this morning. Let me encourage you uh, with that. And God will allow you to do the same thing. This ministry of encourager, part of that is sharing with others what God is teaching you. And um, I found that often when God is feeding me something, then he's going to bring people into my life who need to hear that same truth as well and be encouraged. Because we believe God is mighty, he is worthy to be honored and glorified, worshiped and praised. He is worthy to be loved supremely, obeyed gladly, and served, that should have a D on it, sacrificially. I wish I could blame my wife for the typos, but I can't. Because God is so mighty, He is worthy of absolute, total commitment of our lives. And because God is so mighty, we bow the knee. We declare, Oh Lord God, there is none like unto thee. Amen? Amen. And remember those attitudes of appreciation and reverence and adoration and submission ought to be part of this process. Speaking of right responses, join me please in the book of Joshua the 14th chapter. Joshua chapter 14. Again, we're continuing this thought of mission, mission that is possible. I'm glad it's not mission impossible, mission possible. Last night we looked at the, our mission as an encourager. Again, I trust that you allowed the Holy Spirit of God to put somebody on your heart to encourage today. Heard the testimony from one brother already who said this has been a regular prayer that he has had. Lord, allow me to be an encouragement to somebody today. Could you imagine the impact in our churches if we went to the assembly 
with that burden on our heart? You know, so many times we go, well, I, I'm, I'm here to get a blessing. Well, how about going to be a blessing? How about going with a sensitivity? I wonder what my sister's going through. I wonder what my brother's going through. I wonder how God can use me to help them. And ask the Holy Spirit of God to help you. And he will do so. He will impress upon your heart. I'm not talking about hearing an audible voice, but I'm talking about that still small voice that he'll impress upon your heart. We looked at the, the ministry, the mission as an encourager. I want you to see another Bible character this morning that took his God-given mission seriously. I'm going to begin reading in Joshua chapter 14 and verse 6. The children of Israel have come into the land God has conquered the land for them. And now the division of the land is taking place. And the different tribes are given their different portions of the land. And some of it has already been conquered, and some of it they've still got to go and finish conquering. But Moses, uh, or Joshua, is making that distribution here. And look at verse 6. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephthunah, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy foot have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. That's 85. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. Don't you wish you could say? Mm. Yeah. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord saith. And Joshua blessed him, gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephthunah, the Kenazite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. The name of Hebron before was uh, Kirjath Arba, uh, which Arba was the great man among the Anakins, and the land had rest from war. The second mission for your consideration this week is the mission as an example. Heavenly Father, 
We pray once again that you would allow your word to communicate truth into our hearts and minds for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We all no doubt have heard many sermons on the importance of and the power of example. But I want to give you one phrase today to meditate upon to see from this passage about Caleb the example. And I want us to see if we can pinpoint what the key in his life and what that should mean for each of us. Look in verse 8, if you will, please. He says, but I wholly followed the Lord. Verse 9, Moses said the last phrase of him, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord. Look at verse 14, because that he wholly followed the Lord his God. Would you write it down? He wholly followed the Lord. That word holy means completely, altogether, no half-hearted. My wife is from Oklahoma, and I'm sure you're familiar there is a musical by that name. And one of the songs in that musical is, with me it's all or nothing. It's all or nothing with me. It can't be now and then. It can't be in between. No half and half romance will do. And when we got married, she said, hey, big boy, with me, it's all or nothing. And that's what Caleb was committed to. He wasn't a half-hearted believer, wholehearted. means he completely followed God's commands in its entirety with all of his heart. We've got too many half-hearted believers today. Amen? We need some senior saints that will say, I'm going to wholly follow the Lord, and I'm going to be an example for those coming after me. Our children need to see us wholly following the Lord. Our grandchildren need to see us wholly following the Lord. You know, somebody is watching you all the time. Somebody's watching how you respond to difficult situations. Somebody is watching how you respond to disappointments. Somebody is watching how you respond in traffic. And sometimes I wish they weren't. <laughs> I made the mistake I have on my license plate. It says, Pastor A. So I can't even get mad at somebody in traffic without them seeing this is a pastor. But somebody's watching. I remember when I was younger, mama, close your ears, I, I used to drive rather speedily. Got a number of tickets. Had to pay high insurance after we were married. But I remember one day my son was in the backseat about three, three years old. And I hear this little voice in the back said, Daddy, are you doing the speed limit? 
My flesh wanted to say, at least. But the Spirit of God said, you're not obeying. You're not setting a good example for him to follow. I know it's a little thing, but, but Caleb wholly followed. I, I believe what this means is everything Caleb knew he was supposed to do, he did. Everything Caleb knew he was not supposed to do, he stopped doing. And oh, what a radical difference that would make in our lives and in our families and in our churches and our communities if we just simply said, God said it, I'm going to do it. Or God said to stop doing it, and I'm going to stop doing it. Well, there'd be a whole lot of revival that would take place in many of our churches. You say, how do you know what that looked like in the life of Caleb? Go back with me, please, to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, and you know the story, but let's just review it and rehearse a couple of things and draw some principles out of it. Why did Caleb make such a big deal about this in Joshua chapter 14? Why did he appeal to Moses' knowledge of this, that he had wholly followed the Lord? How did everybody know that that was his testimony? Well, here in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 6, he is chosen to be a spy representing the tribe of Judah. And again, you remember this story. Moses says, we're going to choose a spy from every tribe. Twelve spies are going to go into the land. And in verses 17 to 20, he gives them instruction what they're supposed to do. Moses says, you're supposed to go spy out the land. You're to check out the people and you're to see the cities, what size they are, how their walls are, see what kind of crops the land grows, etc., etc., And then he tells them this, be of good courage. Matter of fact, he says, I want you to bring back some of the fruit of the land. Examine, evaluate, bring us back a report. Come down to verse 21. The spies visit the land. They spend 40 days surveying and investigating. And look at verse 23. And they came unto the brook of Eshcol, And cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they bear it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. It took two men to carry one of these clusters of grapes. The picture I have in my mind is they they hung it on a pole and they carried this pole between the two of them. And can you imagine as they're coming back after 40 days and no doubt there's some people looking for them and they're coming back and they're carrying these grapes and they're carrying the pomegranates and they're carrying the figs. Verse 24, the place was called the Brook Eskel because of the cluster of the grapes which the children of Israel cut down from thence and they returned from searching the land after 40 days now it's decision time spies give us a report and i imagine after seeing that and seeing these guys come marching in maybe there's some excitement buzzing around right what would y'all find out what'd you see now remember god's already brought them out of egypt god's already brought them through the red sea God's already brought them across the wilderness to the the edge of the promised land. And God's already promised to give them the promised land. 
All right, so there ought to be a sense of excitement. There ought to be a sense of expectation. There ought to be a sense, man, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. Look at verse 26. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and all the, all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit thereof. Good so far. But then look at the next word. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. There's some big guys there. The Amalekites dwell in the land in the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and all the otherites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Oh, yes, the land is flowing with milk and honey and it's exactly what God promised us. And, and oh, the fruit looks magnificent. However, the cities look like they're just unconquerable. The men are giants. I don't think we can do this. <laughs> Look at verse 30. And it, now, it's gone from a sense of excitement to all of a sudden there's a rumbling. How do you know that? Because look what Caleb does. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. You would think there ought to be some cheering. Yeah, let's go. You know, you talk about a pep talk before a ball game. You know, one of the coaches has just stepped forward and said, we got this, guys. I know they're the Houston Astros, but we got this. We're the Atlanta Braves. Not quite, but, but, but the idea, he's, he's given a pep rally. Let's go right now. Don't wait any longer. Let's go. There's a lot of times in Scripture I love the divine conjunctions. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, is our pre-Christ condition. But then verse 4 says, but God. I love the but gods of Scripture. But I don't like the but in this verse. Look at verse 31. But the men that went up with him said we be not able to go up against the people for they're stronger than we they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of israel saying the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth of the inhabitants thereof and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature there we saw the giants the son of anak which come of the giants and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. They allowed their fear 
to be bigger than their faith. They took God out of the equation. And whenever we take God out of the equation, we have a faulty conclusion. Caleb says, let's go. But we can't. God had brought them all through all this, and yet they doubted. Now, this is the, the spies. Now, remember that little course? I have 12 spies. Ten were bad, and two were good. You know, we taught our kids that. Joshua and Caleb both stand up and say, we can go, guys. The other ten said no. What's going to be the response? Chapter 14, verse 1. All the people lifted up their voice and cried. The people wept that night. All the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? They said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Wow. What unbelief. What short memories. They'd forgotten everything God had done. They'd forgotten everything God had promised. They took God totally out of the equation. And I wonder how often we are guilty of fearing because we've taken God out of the equation. You see, I read these passages in Scripture. I read Psalm 78. They provoked their God. They forgot their God. And I, and I look and say, how could you do that? And then the Holy Spirit of God says, how many times have you done that? How many times have I given you a promise and you failed to remember it? You failed to claim it? Or I've given you a command and you failed to obey it? We are so much like them. Let's be very careful. But I want you to see what happens next. This is interesting. Verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephthunah, which were of they that searched the land, rent their clothes. Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb are, are just about ready to pull their hair out. Do you remember the number of times that Moses went before the Lord and he said, Lord, your people are stubborn. Your people are hard-headed. Your people are doubting. It's sort of like when you and your spouse used to have a conversation when your children were misbehaving. Honey, your kids are at it again. <laughs> oh, no, baby, they're your kids. This going on. And, and Moses and, and, and Aaron and, and Joshua and Caleb are, are just distraught. And they spake unto the company, all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we've passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into the land and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not." There ought to be shouts of amen and, and glory and, okay, you're right. We're wrong. We forgot temporarily, but, but now we're ready. But, verse 10, 
All the congregation bade, stoned them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the temple of the congregation before all the children of Israel. God shows up to respond now. And I won't read it all, but what happens next is God says to Moses, I'm just going to wipe them all out. I'm going to start over with you. By the way, this isn't the only time God said that. I'm thankful for Moses' spirit and Moses' meekness and Moses' servant's heart. Because there might have been a temptation, if he was not the man he was, might have been a temptation to say, good idea, Lord. But no, he pleads with God. He appeals to God's character. He appeals to God's promises. He appeals to God's reputation. He said, Lord, if you do that, then all the heathen nations are going to mock you because you promised that you'd bring your people out and you'd take them to the land. And if you don't fulfill the promise, then the people are going to say God couldn't do what God said he was going to do. Look then how God, or Moses appealed. Let me jump down to verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering, of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the, the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people, according unto the greatness of thy mercy, and as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even unto now. And God responded. God said, I have forgiven. I will pardon but look at verse 21. Here's a key for us to consider. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. You know why God does what he does? For his glory. For his glory. God responds here. And through all of this, however, Caleb wholly followed the Lord. Can I just give you three quick thoughts here? He followed the Lord as an example of courage. He was asked to go as a spy, and he said yes. You know, there was some risk associated with that. What happens if a spy is caught trying to spy out a land? Usually he's killed. He had courage to obey the charge, and he had courage to stand up against the majority. It's not always easy to stand up against the majority. But we need some people of God to stand up against the majority in the wickedness of this land. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to show up and stand up and speak up while at the same time we're looking up. Life is being attacked from the beginning to the end. Life is not a political matter. It's a biblical matter. God values life. It's time for the church to stand up and defend life. God defines marriage, not society. It's time for the church to stand up. God said it's parents' responsibility to teach your children not the states. It's time for the church to stand up. It's time for us to be the pungent salt and the brilliant light that God has called us to be.
Matthew chapter 5, 13 to 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We need some courage to stand against the wickedness of the day. Some of our younger generation need to see some of us older generation standing up for right. Amen? For godliness, for righteousness. we got a fight on our hands in Virginia right now. We're trying to restore some semblance of righteousness to our state. We have some of the worst laws with regards to abortion, with regards to education, et cetera, et cetera. We need the church to stand up and to speak up and to show he was a man of courage. Secondly, he was a man of conviction. Yes, we can. <laughs> the children of Israel said, we can't do that. The other ten spies said, we can't do that. Yes, we can. You know, that which is not of faith is sin. Some of our churches are hindered because we don't believe God. And we don't step out in faith. He said, well, I can't see how this is all going to work out. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Trusting God. Thirdly, he was a godly example of confidence. And I don't mean self-confidence. I mean God-confidence. He said, God said this. I believe it. I shared with a couple of brethren last night, I remember back in the 70s when the statement came out, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. Time out. God said it, that settles it. Right? Doesn't matter if I believe it or not. God said it, that settles it. Now, go back real quickly to Joshua 14. Let's wrap this up. Because he wholly followed the Lord... He had the courage and the conviction to take a stand and to believe God. Now he's going to claim God's promise. Verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain. I want that mountain. I want that mountain where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Eskel grow. I want that mountain. I want that mountain the mountain that the Lord hath given me. I can just hear him singing that. I'm 85. I'm just as strong as I was when I was 40. I'm still a man of war. I'm ready to go. By the way, side note, he still had to go conquer the land after Joshua said, it's yours. He didn't just go and cross his legs and cross his hands and say well we got it he did what god commanded him to do go in and claim what i've given you what a glorious glorious truth oh that we need some senior saints who'll be men of courage men and women of courage and conviction and god confidence oh that we would live our life in such a way that when this life is over it will be said of us that we wholly followed the Lord. It would be said that we have been with Jesus. Just reading that in the book of Acts again this week. They took notice of them that they had been with Jesus. Had a man tell me one day, Pastor, I want to live my life in such a way that when you preach my funeral, you don't have to lie. 
Oh, that we live our life in such a way that we, it be said of us that we have the sweet savor of Christ all over us. That Paul, that we as Paul would say, I fought the fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. I don't know about you, but I want to finish strong. I want to be an example of courage and conviction and confidence till my very last breath. There will always be obstacles. There will always be difficulties that we have to face. That's not evidence that God doesn't love you. Matter of fact, he didn't promise to remove the storm, but he promised to be with you in the midst of the storm. John Newton said it this way, if the Lord be with us, we have no cause to fear. His eye is upon us. His arm is over us. His ear is open to our prayer. His grace is sufficient. His promises are unchangeable. God never takes us only halfway and abandons us. When we allow fear to dominate our lives, we are slandering His faithfulness and His character. Let's determine by God's grace to wholly follow the Lord. Music, please. Dum, 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 dum. Mission possible number one, be an encourager. Mission possible number two, be an example. Heavenly Father, once again, thank you for your word. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to learn from the example of Caleb. Lord, give us men and women of courage and conviction and confidence in you. For it's in your names we pray. Amen.